Thank you, Connie. Wow. So it's uh, it's a unique thing for me to be in this place. In fact, it's so unique that the last time that I really was um, taking on the responsibility for the actual morning message on a Sunday morning at a church, um, like the whole message. A few months ago, I did something with Brock. It was more of an interview. Didn't have to do this. Um, Was about 17 or 18 years old here at this church. And uh, I'm 44, so that's at least 15 years ago. (laughs) I mean, it's like 15 or 20 years at least. Um, And so it's really strange because I remember... uh, I remember growing up in the youth group here. I remember Youth Sunday. We just had it. It still happens. Um, But uh, back then, we used to, like, prepare for, like, months, one message, and it was the most nerve-wracking thing you could imagine, but it was awesome. But that's truly the last time I've kind of given a a Sunday morning word. So uh, so it's unique, and uh, I'm just excited and honored, though, to to be here. I'm excited and honored to be in this church in this season, and uh, I'm excited um, to get the opportunity this morning to share the word of God with you. I think it's, um, I think it's a sacred thing. It's a holy thing. It's, a, it's something that I don't take lightly. And honestly, I'm just like, wow, Lord, what an honor to share the word uh, with these good people. Wow, I'm seeing people I haven't seen in a long time. Woo, so good. Um, so uh, I, it's like, uh, it's 1119 now. My plan is to go around 20 minutes. We're kind of doing shorter messages during Advent. Um, that's part of our vision. We want to leave room for other things in the service. Um, we value and prize the scriptures like crazy here. Um, I just wanted to say one thing because, because it has been so long since I've been able to uh, give the Sunday morning message. Um, I just want to say how much we value the scriptures. Like it is, it's more important than we could describe with words that we base our lives around the scriptures and that we realize how holy and true and authoritative the word of God is. And without it, we're lost. Without it, we don't understand who Jesus is. Without it, we don't understand who the Father is. And so it is the most precious testimony that we've been given. It's a great gift. And so it is right and good that we take time every time we get together to prize the scriptures and to realize that we place ourselves underneath them as we look to see who God is. And as we look for, how do we live our lives? What do we do? I like scriptures like, I just wanted to draw attention to how important it is that we do the scripture this way and uh, remember uh, things like Ephesians six seventeen. Um, it refers to the scriptures, the, the word of God as the sword of the spirit. Now we love the spirit here too, right? We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us, empowers us. If we want to do battle in the Spirit, what is that weapon that the Holy Spirit uses? It's the Word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's hard to overstate how important that is to know the Word of God. If we don't know the Word of God, we don't have a sword for the Spirit to use in our lives. So that may be a little oversimplified, but that's true. That's, that's, that's that picture. Um, it's the sword of the Spirit. So um, there's, there's a couple others. I'm just going to skip those in terms of uh, things about the Word. But um, 
this, this Advent, um, and, and we've been, you notice even during our order of worship, we've been doing some different things like scripture readings, pausing and reflecting and remembering. And I hope that you remember that um, Advent um, really just is a season where we remember the coming of Jesus, the Savior from God to us, to his people. And then it's also a season where we think about and, and, and hope for him to come in the future. So it's the coming, it's the arrival of Jesus. It came, we live on this side of the cross. All of us were born on the other side of Jesus. We don't get to know what it was like to wait for the coming Messiah for the first time. So sometimes that part of remembering is hard for us because we can't remember, we have to imagine. We have to imagine what that was like. But I think that's one of the critical um, things that's very important for us to do in this season because all of us at one time or another did not know Jesus. Now we may think there, it was, I, I grew up a Christian, I always knew the Lord, but um, in reality, there came a time when you put your faith in Jesus. And at that moment, you knew the Christ, you knew the Son of God. But some of us may have lived without Jesus for many, many years and experienced lives of sin, lives of destruction, really a lot of pain outside of the cross and then came to God. And so we, we may be able to remember that time before Jesus easier than other people. But regardless, it's very important in Advent for us to think about and imagine what was it like to live without the Savior? And, and the, the, the passage that I get to teach out of today is one of my favorite passages. Um, and when Brock said, hey, why don't you think about, um, would you consider giving a message uh, during Advent on peace? I reluctantly said, I will think about it and I will pray about it. Um, but I knew in my heart, it was an invitation from the Lord. And, um, and I also knew almost immediately which scripture he wanted me to teach out of. And it's one of my favorite books in the Bible and it's Ephesians, it's Ephesians 2. And I get, I'm gonna, we're gonna look at Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 22 this morning. And that's gonna be our text. And there's a lot in there about peace. And... Um, before we do that, um, I, I do, I'm going to geek out just a little bit and say, let's just focus on the word peace. What is it? And uh, it's something that's very special to me. Uh, very quickly, I've learned a lot about myself in the last year and a half through something, through kind of a tool, a deep body of kind of like wisdom about personality, human personality. It's called the Enneagram. It may be super strange or unknown to some of you. It's okay. It's just helped me to see that I'm, I'm what, what somebody would, what that system calls a peacemaker. And so peace and physical peace in my body and in my surroundings is, is incredibly important to me. And I've learned how important it is. And I've learned even how sometimes I will cope in weird ways to make my own peace when peace is not a part of my surroundings. And so it's really amazing. So peace, what is, what is peace? Well, peace is, um, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it's the word shalom. I'm sure many of you know the word shalom. And uh, in the New Testament, it's a word called um, irene. And I learned that just for this. <laughs> so like, I, I was not a Greek scholar until very recently. And now, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. I tried to figure out, you know, how am I going to pronounce it? Because it's like irene, you know, but... I figured if I did that, it would be weird, like a little bit contrived. So we'll just stick with Adirene. Um, 
the meaning is essentially the same, but I learned whenever I was researching the meaning of these words, I learned that there's some more depth to the meaning of peace than what I realized. Or there's at least some other ways that these words are used in the Bible that help us understand some pieces that are also uh, some, some other meanings or some kind of like implications of peace. For instance, uh, the shalom word is peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity. And then also um, the, the Greek word, peace, harmony. And then it says, by implication, one, like oneness. Or then it even says, at one again. And uh, so, so there's, a, there's, there's something that that, that speaks a lot to me because when I think about peace, when I think about my own need for peace, really it has to do with harmony in my surroundings, but oneness even with the people. And so when I think about peace at church, when I think about peace in this body, it's very tangible to me if I think about it like we are unified and we feel unified. We feel like we are one body and not many different bodies, not many different groups, but one group. That is incredible peace to me, and that helps me understand the word peace. Peace is unity. You cannot have peace without unity. You cannot have peace really without oneness. And so uh, I just want us to keep that in mind as we uh, kind of look into this, uh, into these, to the scripture. And this is kind of a, just a mammoth scripture, so I'm already going longer than I was going to go in the intro. Um, and so we're, we're not going to be able to study this many verses that are this thick and this rich um, and do it all justice. So we're just going to pick some pieces to highlight and uh, really just look at three main things that God is saying um, through Ephesians 11. I'm sorry, Ephesians 2. So let's go ahead and uh, read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Can you put that up on the screen? Because I... Um, Let's see, do you have that, by the way? If you don't, go ahead and take time and you can get it because I do want to put it up. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. I'm just going to go ahead and read it from my phone here. <clears throat> but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. I know there's a lot of words here, but just I'm going to try to keep going slow. Just, just listen in here. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I'm gonna pray. Jesus, thank you for 
Thank you for the living, breathing word of God. Lord, I thank you for the, um, the revelation that you've given us in this Ephesians 2 passage that Paul wrote so many years ago. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would reveal truth to us. I pray that we would even somehow be able to slow down, slow down our spirits, our hearts, our minds, and that you would give us the ability to listen with our spirit to what you are saying and what you are teaching through your word, which is eternal. And Lord, I pray that you would give me the gift of clarity and that you would give me the gift of being able to focus on what is on your heart. Father, what are you saying to our Lord's community church today? Through this eternal word, this eternal truth. And so, Lord, we do, we slow down and we lean in and we listen. And we just pray for your powerful presence. Holy Spirit, guide us in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So... So there's really three kind of movements in this text. There's three main headings. The first one that I want to draw our attention to is really this idea that we were formally separated from Christ. We, we weren't always saved. And so there's this word Gentiles that I remembered. And I, I went to a Christian school growing up. And so I feel like I got a pretty good background of biblical uh, history. And so I was always thinking about life or you know, religion from the Jewish perspective of Jew, the Jews were God's chosen people, his chosen race. And we know that. I think most of us know that. Um, although um, the more I'm distanced from like... Um, formal Christian education, the more sometimes that idea becomes distant to me. And so it was, it's good to go back and go, you know, God chose a group of people to redeem and to call his own people and to have relationship with. And the beauty about this passage is that it's such a great articulation of how he then took it from one unique small group of people on the face of the earth and he opened it up to everybody else. So there's Jew and there's Gentile. And according to the Jewish tradition, Gentile is basically everyone else. So if you're not Jewish in this room, if you didn't grow up um, you know, as a Jew, physically a Jew, then you are a Gentile. So this passage, uh, when it says, you Gentiles in the flesh, that's us. He's talking to us. And so uh, we can identify with that. And, uh, and then here is the unique call it said, um, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, would you go ahead and put that beginning scripture back up there so that I can read it? Um, can you do that? Yeah. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision was made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. A cool thing about this is really Paul is kind of poking or he's, he's revealing in the way that he uses those terms. Uh, the, uh, the, the Jews called the Gentiles the uncircumcision, and they, he kind of puts it in quotes in this, and it was a derogatory term. It was very derogatory. It was kind of like the Jews puffing themselves up. They believed, and they were the chosen people, but they used it in gross ways to other people. And so they, they thought of the Gentiles as wretched, disgusting, gross, unholy, and so they called them the uncircumcision because we are the circumcision. We are the chosen people of God. Um, so much so that even, um, uh, uh, well, I'm gonna hold on to that. Uh, uh, 
<clears throat> so yeah, so uh, you have the chosen people of God, you have them being derogatory, and really what you have is inside God's church in, in Jerusalem with the Jews is you have incredible, um, you know, it's not just racial profiling, it's just, it's the worst racism you can imagine. It's just hatred for other people groups, hatred. And so that, that, that's the way it was. Um, furthermore, as we look and see um, the, the kind of four things that we were described as, as Gentiles, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were not invited into their society. We were not invited into their world in any way. We had no rights. Strangers to the covenants of promise. So that's a, um, a reference to the original promises that God gave um, to the, the fathers, the Jewish fathers in the Old Testament. And so he called out to them and said, I want relationship with you and I make a covenant with you, promises to you. Well, if you were a Gentile, you were without that. And so it goes on to say, without hope, having no hope and without God in the world. And so that's a pretty desperate place. And so um, I, as I've been doing this, I've just tried to think about it. Lord, what is it like? What would it have been like to live during a time when there was no hope for me? There was no hope of eternal life. Other people said they could have it. Other people said they had it. Salvation is from the Jews. They have it. But, but there is nothing like that for me. I'm excluded. It's, I'm out. And praise God, I have not grown up in that time, but I think about it, and it's, it's destitute. So um, I'm going to move quickly here because I want to go on to the next, uh, the next point, which really the next movement, um, after, you, after you have him describe to the Gentiles their former state and how bad it was, he says the, the, next, the next phase is really, um, you could title it reconciled to God and to others. It's like now reconciliation is possible. Uh, as somebody who loves peace, as a nine in the Enneagram, that's just speaking my love language. Reconciliation, unity, I get peace. Um, I get to be brought in. And not just me, that, that's kind of, that's silly. Every type can like go, every type of person on the earth can feel the goodness of that if they're invited in. There's a way now. So the next is reconciled. So uh, let's read that verse again. Uh, it's the brought near. Um, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Um, and so... What a, what a beautiful thing. This, this scripture is one um, very succinct and beautiful place in the Bible where it really just tells the whole story of the gospel. Uh, one of the things that I, um, in, even in reading this and studying this, um, I, I'm impressed. And so he, as I'm studying this and thinking about being here in front of you, I'm thinking, Father, what, what message do you have for our Lord's Community Church specifically? What is it that you might be saying to us as a body? And uh, yes, he's saying very uh, like important things through the text. Like this is the truth about Jesus. This is the way we know we were invited in to a covenant relationship with God. This is the way we know we have salvation. So that's important. That's number one is just knowledge of the Christ. Knowledge that Christ came and invited you and me in to a relationship. That's number one. Um, I, I feel like he whispered to my spirit the importance of communicating and passing on the simple gospel message of Jesus to our children. 
like one-on-one. There's just something about, he just said, this story gets told by you parents and by you aunts and uncles and by you brothers and sisters. It gets told by you one-on-one to your children, to your nieces, to your nephews, to your friends, to your acquaintances. It's so important that this message goes out from you who have been brought near by the blood. Have you been brought near? And that's just, that's just something I feel like the Holy Spirit just said, remind them, remind our Lord's community church, tell the gospel message of Jesus one-on-one to another. Don't forget to do it. It's no one else's responsibility. The people that you are around and that you can touch, tell them how they have been brought near by the blood of Christ if they believe. And so anyway, the simplicity of the gospel message needs to be passed on one-to-one. That's not, that's not directly in the text. That's like, as I'm reading this, that's being dropped into my spirit as an, an exhortation for you, our Lord's. Um, Let's move on to he himself as our peace. So it says he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. Clearly that was seen in relating to the Gentiles and the Jews. Um, One really amazing picture of this is um, in the Jewish temple at the time, there was a court that was actually for the Gentiles. So there was an outer court that the Gentiles could go into. Um, But there was a dividing wall, a a large wall around that court. And this is not what he was directly referring to in this. He wasn't referring to the actual structure, but it certainly is demonstrative of what he's talking about, which is a massive wall of division between the two people and between us and God. But on the the inscription on it said, um, let's see if I have it, yeah. No foreigner is to go beyond the balustrade and the plaza of the temple zone. Whoever is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow. So that was, that was the Jewish people. That's inscribed on the outer temple that the Gentiles could go in, but they could not go beyond or they would be put to death. And, and, and I learned that even the Jews had, um, had permission from the Roman gov- government to even put to death a Roman citizen if they did it. And so it was, a, it was an actual thing. So that's, that's, again, demonstrative of the hatred that existed in the dividing wall that was um, abolished in Jesus. Um, choosing here. Uh, the, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do with you guys is to kind of tell you a story, just a little bit about me, something that happened recently in my life, which is an example to me of, of kind of, because my question is, if Jesus brings peace, I want to know what does that peace feel like? What does peace feel like? What does it feel like when you know the peace of God? I'm not proclaiming that we always will know the peace of God in our body. You know, uh, there's, um, there's multiple troubles that we will go through in this world, but what does peace feel like? 
I have a story that communicates to me how I would describe what peace feels like. Um, I went to India uh, this last summer, and it was an amazing trip. I got to go and join uh, um, uh, another brother from this body, a few from Bridgeway, some from other places, and, and it was a, a group of about 10 guys went over to India, and we went way northwest India uh, in the uh, Himalaya Mountains, and we got to go basically from village to village and sit in Muslim homes and share the gospel with them. Like we would literally, our, our leader Gulzar, who is like a modern day Paul over there who just travels around and spreads the gospel and there are people becoming saved and he's committed to the small Muslim villages within India. Well, very quickly, one, the first night we get there, we're, t- we're, we're, we're camping in tents in, on the land of a Muslim man named Hadi. And uh, would you go ahead and put the picture of Hadi up? It's Hadi and his wife and... Um, so there on the right is Hadi, and that's his wife and just one of his children right there. Uh, he had a bunch of children. He's lived on this land. Um, he says his family lives on this land um, since Adam. That's what he said to us. That's how he described how long he's lived there. Uh, I don't know if that's true. That seems like a long time. <laughs> uh, but we fell in love with this guy. He's, he's amazing. And Gulzar, the, 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 the missionary who is there, he has been in a relationship with Hadi now for quite, quite, quite a few years. First night in tents on his lawn. Go ahead and show the picture of the tents. So that's where we are. It's just gorgeous. It's literally just away from the Himalayas. Um, we are camping in those tents. And the very first night, it's dark. It's about midnight. Finally fall asleep. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a tent with a friend of mine named Dylan Springer, who's over at Bridgeway, dear friend of mine, laying there, imagine it's pretty cold. Suddenly, we hear what sounds like a bomb go off. I mean, literally, boom! Like, it was a bomb. Like, I thought it was a bomb. Like, it sounded like it was maybe 40 yards away from us. And it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a beautiful country. I'm like, why is a, can- is a cannon? So a cannon went off. We wake up immediately, and we're just like laying on our sides, looking at each other, you know, basically cuddling to stay warm. <laughs> and uh, his eyes go open, and my eyes go open, and we are just like, what? I mean, just, just terrified. And then we hear a bunch of footsteps and running, and there was a road. You see those tree line? Right above that tree line, right there, just above our tents is a road. And we hear all these footsteps and men's voices and a lot of kind of like commotion. And then we hear uh, children in the distance begin crying. And then, and we're still just waiting, nothing else. But then, but then I see a flashlight through the night come toward our tent from one direction and kind of running. And then from the other side, I see another flashlight. But then when they get close to our tents, the flashlights go off and all we hear is whispers. And, and Dylan and I are literally just, I mean, we, we talk about all of our thoughts later, but we had no idea. I mean, there we are in just 100% Muslim land. But, but I'll tell you, like, we didn't go there with a sense that our lives would be in danger. There's not this, like, like there's not Islamic extremism right in those areas where we were. It's really peaceful Muslim families. It really is. So, that's why I went. <laughs> but you, you forget that whenever you hear a cannon go off in the middle of the night, lots of men's voices running up down the, the deal, and then people outside your tent. And finally, uh, Dylan, I was just praying to God. It's like, Gulzar, like, you start talking in the native language so that they don't think it's a bunch of white dudes just out here. It's like, just come on, let's... Give, give evidence that, you know, we're native people. So anyway, uh, Dylan finally uh, yells out, Gulzar, what's going on? And I was like, oh, he spoke in English. I'm not sure that's a good idea. 
Um, and, uh, and then Gulzar goes, oh, bro, oh, man. No, they just, uh, they fired a cannon because they think there's a bear in the area. And so I am telling you, I have never been so relieved <laughs> in my life. I have never felt such an extreme sense of I am not about to die because I thought to myself, we have at least 10 guys. If we have to wrestle a bear, we can wrestle a bear. Like a bear surely just means one person goes down, the rest of us will be fine. <laughs> but, but the other thing I was thinking was it could be guys with knives and guns and like we're all toast in this situation. And that's, I mean, I had gone to thoughts of my family. It was like, it was the most... It was the most kind of like, I was perched upon the precipice of peril moment of, of my life. Um, sorry, that's, an, that's a saying I use every now and then. Um, I can't describe, like it's almost like you feel like you got your life back because that's, you'd already gone to that place of fear. It was such an incredible place of fear that I went to. And to know that it was just a bear, I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. This is amazing. And uh so that's just a small story. I mean, that, that's a little bit contrived, but that is peace. It's like relief from the conflict that you imagined was happening. Uh, there's, there's like at least half of what I prepared still down here, and we're just running out of time. And um, so I'm going to move on from that, but I, I want us as a body to experience and to know intimately the peace of Jesus, the peace of Christ. And that means I desire us to know the unity of Christ as a church. Um, the, just to do right by the passage, the, the final piece of the passage after our former condition of being separated, secondly, of being reconciled to God and to each other, um, through the cross. The last part is um, we get to be a part of the growing, living church of God. That's the, that's the final movement of the scripture. Um, go ahead and put it back up again. If you would, Leighton, can you put that scripture back up? Um, I just want to read it once more as we consider moving on. What about the next page or the next one? For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord the, the, the final point I, I kind of want to, that jumps off of the page here, and I've, I've mentioned this in worship recently because I love, we love the idea that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and it's true. Like, thank, thank God he gives us the Spirit to empower us. He lives in us. He dwells in us. Um, individually, that's true. This passage, we see that it's also true that he lives in our corporate body, in the corporate church in a unique way. He's not talking about the individual believer there. He's talking about the body, the church. And so that's another thing that I'm asking, Lord, show this to be true here at Our Lord's. Now, he's not talking about just Our Lord's Community Church in the scripture. He's talking about the capital C church, the church in the earth, the Christian church. So, but by application, like we're a picture of that. 
we have many churches in the city that we love, and there are pictures of that, but really you could say the church in Oklahoma City, the Christian church in Oklahoma City, we struggle to think in those ways because there's so many hostile walls body to body here. I wish that weren't true. And actually, I say that, and I think that used to be more true in my mind. It's less true for me. I love so many churches, and I, I love to send people to those churches, and I love to see people come. I just, I want there to be fewer um, dividing walls. But um, he dwells in the corporate body in a unique way. And to me, that's a mystery. So and together, um, you also are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So because Jesus came, because the angels came and announced the birth of Jesus and said, peace on earth, glory to God in the highest, that's a traditional Advent peace scripture we might use. Because that happened and Jesus was born, he lived the life that he did. He obeyed his father perfectly. He went to the cross to make atonement for our sin once and for all and to invite us into God's family once and for all. We now have peace. We have peace. It's God's gift to us. It's God's gift to us every day. There's not a day that you wake up that he's not offering you his peace. It's amazing. It's amazing. So let's, let's just stop there. And uh, I'm just gonna pray for a second here. And then I'll invite uh, somebody else to come up and do something else. Jesus, I do thank you for the gift of peace. I thank you for the gift of Jesus who embodies peace. I pray that as you become, um, as we grow up in this holy temple, our Lord's Community Church, I pray for supernatural unity that displays the peace of Christ to the world. Let the peace of Christ be displayed in our midst as you dwell in our Lord's community church. We can't do that, Lord, but you can and you do it. You've proclaimed it as true. And so we submit to it, we yield to it, we pray into it, we wait into it, we trust you. But Lord, I say embody your peace, the peace of Christ, especially this especially now as we think about Jesus' birth and Jesus' future coming, Lord. Grow your presence here in our midst. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.